Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is the Tribune Audio Network. My name is Patrick Clark. I'm on an American road trip traveling across these United States of America into the presidential libraries, museums, and more along the way. It's a modern-day journey cross-country into our shared American history. Join us as we look into the lives of the first families and last stops and stories that make up this nation. You never know what we'll find when we go digging into the National Archives and who we'll meet next. These are the presidential libraries, museums, and more that might surprise you. And I'm Teresa Pauly. And this is Presidential Libraries, Museums, and More, the podcast. Well, for the last few years, I've been kind of taking a road trip across the country, stopping at presidential libraries and museums. And Teresa, you helped me put this all together, right, as the newsroom operations manager. Correct. We work at a TV station in St. Louis, Missouri. So I help guide you along the way. You usually have a pretty good idea what you want to do, but <laughs> I help, you know, figure out the, the money and the how to get it done. Yeah. Yeah, and you get it done. Oh, thank you. So. Well, uh, these are interesting parts of our history, part of our American history, our shared experience. And so this week, we are going and talking about the state of Georgia. This is episode three, Carter, the Barefoot Peanut Farmer. The bear, is that the name of it? I didn't know he had a name yet. Uh, the, the, now it is. Now, the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, it's, uh, it's all about Jimmy Carter. We're talking and stopping at his presidential library and museum down in Atlanta, Georgia. But as you are well aware, we, we kind of extended that trip. Yeah. And you actually didn't go right to his library this time. You went to Plains, Georgia, which yeah. is what, three hours or so south? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of south, of southeast Atlanta? of Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. That's his hometown. That's where our 39th president, uh, is from. And it, and, and, all along the way, it's always interesting to see where each of these presidents come from. I like seeing where they were born or raised or, you know, maybe what influenced them kind of trying to walk a mile in their shoes. Well, or not. Or not. Right. <laughs> right. Because uh, Jimmy grew up on a, a peanut farm. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and uh, talked about plowing the fields in his bare feet. Yeah. Yeah. He, it, that's one of the things you see when you go to his library and museum there at the, the Carter Presidential Center in Atlanta. Uh, it tells his life from from start to present day, and he talks about uh, as a as a young peanut farmer, he would walk the fields barefoot so he could feel the earth, so hmm. he could feel the clay. Wow! And we're talking. He was born in 1924. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He is our oldest living president. He is still with us today, and it's still very active in the community of Plains, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oldest living former president. Uh, the work he's done in the 40 plus years since he's been out of office is is pretty incredible. And while we were down there, they uh, had the Peanut Festival. So it's a it's just a, a interesting, fun time where you get a chance to learn more about peanut farming, about this uh, this crop, about the people, about him, where he came from, and what shaped him. And while we were there, we ran into his son, Chip. Man and woman of the hour, our president, this is Jimmy and Rosen Carter. 
I did grow up there. You did? I was here. Yeah, I grew up here. I went through Plains High School, started in first grade, and went through 12th, and then stayed here a couple years, went to George Southwestern College, worked at Carter's Warehouse, started at 10 years old. Uh, so, you know, this is my friends. When you, when you get, a, when your old man gets elected president, it, uh, you gain a million new friends overnight. And uh, the friends that you grew up with just become so much more precious. It's like they're just friends because it's who you are, not what you are. For myself and for our nation, I want to thank my predecessor for all he has done to heal our land. I worked in Carter's Warehouse. We, I, didn't, I didn't plant crops and stuff, but I put a lot of fertilizer out for them and hauled them in, dried them, dealt with them at the warehouse. He, when he would sometimes plow, he would take his shoes off to feel the earth. Probably when he was a kid, yeah. I don't think he wore shoes when he was a kid. I started selling peanuts when I was six years old. Every morning during peanut season, I would put uh, about 20 bags of peanuts in my basket and walk from Orchard, Georgia, where my home is, across in Thousand Plains on the railroad track, because it was the shortest way. And I would sell my 20 bags of peanuts, and I was making as much as a grown man working in the field, which is a dollar a day. And so I started out with peanuts at six years old, and I've been in peanuts ever since. On a date, by the time I came home, if I had kissed her, everybody in Plains already knew about it. So there were no secrets here. And that's the same as living in the White House. There's no secrets there either. So, so you learn to do that. But, uh, but there's so few people here that you end up being friends with a lot of different kinds of folks. Folks that don't believe like I do politically and live not the same race and whatever because, you know, that's just the 680 people here. So you, if you automatically rule out half of them, that means there's nobody <laughs> I got in play with, you know, so so those kind of things are really well. I mean, you know, I grew up here during the civil rights fights and uh, hardly anybody in Plains that had anything against the folks that lived here. It was all these outside agitators. But what you do, Johnny, down the street and, you know, you knew his, his sister and that he could run faster than you and but you could catch more fish, you know, so it was the same kind of thing going up. But, but it, I think it was profound. Based on this knowledge, of Georgians, North and South, rural and urban, liberal and conservative, I say to you quite frankly that the time for racial discrimination is over. He believes in, in human rights and that human rights encompasses a lot of different things, including health care and housing and those kinds of things. So. So, but he grew up that way, but he's the last liberal president. Is anybody here that wants to have cancer? Is anyone over here that wants to have a heart attack? Is anyone here that wants to have blood arteries? If you don't, eat peanuts. Well, he's honest and he tells the truth. And, uh, and he's well read. So, and he, he can convince you. You know, if he can talk to you, he can convince you. So. He, uh, uh, you know, I'm as proud to be his son as anything in the world. It's, you know, I've grown up doing that now. I'm 67 years old, and I'm more proud of him today than I was 30 years ago. He's, he's laid out his whole life and lived it like he thinks God says you're supposed to. And that's a pretty big deal for him. So that's Chip Carter, the son of our 39th president, Jimmy Carter. And I think how cool. I mean, he's 
got to see so much of his dad's life. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's still with us. Yeah. And it's been, what, 40 years since he was in office? Since he was so, in office, yeah. He, he's done more out of office, so, you know, than the four years that he served. Well, yeah. And, and he got to see him build a whole nother, kind of a whole nother career. Yeah. Sure. Oh, he's such a Renaissance man and, and, and such a varied interest of things, you know, with, with Jimmy Carter and, and Rosalind. Um, and I, I think, you know, they've lived so long. They've just tried the things. Oh, this intrigues me. I might try this. Like, for instance, um, when I was there in Plains, everyone was so wonderfully welcoming. Uh, in the, you're down in the deep south part of Georgia there. And met a, a name a woman named Jill Stuckey, who uh, is a family friend of the Carters, known them for some time, and uh, she has in her house like a collection almost. It's uh, it's almost like a mini Carter museum. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. There's a little bit of everything from them. What do you tell me that they go to dinner? They'll go to dinner together. She'll have them over. You know, she says they've they've you know they've had Thanksgiving and they've, they they do things like this and they're just average people, you know, but just who lead by example. Uh, so that's president Carter's chair and that's Mrs. Carter's chair. That's where they usually always eat when they, they come to my house over the years have just grown very close, very protective. And, you know, I so admire everything they're doing with eradicating diseases. Mrs. Carter's work with trying to eliminate mental illness I just admire them so much. And, you know, anything I can do to help them so they can help others, that's that's what we try to do in Plains. And it's not just me. It's pretty much everybody in Plains. We all care for them. We're, again, all very, very protective of them. And, you know, they know the value of their time. They eat right every single day. They exercise every single day so they can continue to help people just as long as they can. So President Carter collects arrowheads, has since he was a little kid. He and his father used to go looking for arrowheads. And when they'd work in the fields, they would find arrowheads when they were plowing the fields. President Carter and Mrs. Carter are avid fishermen. They love to fish, in particular fly fish. So this particular fly he tied while he was in the White House and has caught many fish on it, as he, he says in this little little writing. But that's one of my most prized possessions. I like to take photographs, and I took one of an osprey on the Georgia coast, and President Carter painted it and uh, gave me a, a copy of the, the painting. So that's one of my prized possessions as well. So he's a painter as well. I know he does a little bit of everything. He's really? a carpenter. He, you know, he's he's built like chairs and little tables and things. And they fly fishermen and yeah, outdoorsmen. Yeah, yeah. And so she has a collection that was Jill Stuckey. Jill Stuckey. She is uh, the new superintendent of the Jimmy Carter National Historic Site in Plains, Georgia. So, which is his high school that he went to, which is definitely worth going to see. Also, if you're, if you're going to do the whole thing and to understand uh, Jimmy Carter, uh, it's worth going to see. And, and, and who better to tell the story of them to, you know, kind of help paint the human face of these people than someone who knows them pretty well. They're good friends, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah. Yeah. Having a, you know, having a collection or having like a lure that he made. A fishing lure. A fishing yeah. lure. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like that they, they really did 
they do still touch a lot of people's lives. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a bucket list uh, thing for people to go to his library and museum in Atlanta and then to go down to Plains and see this small little town, uh, this man with a humble beginning who rose to the greatest office in our land. And along the way, you've met a lot of people that they touched their lives. Oh, yeah. Well, you know my story about my letter that was found with uh, right. to Ronald Reagan when I went to his library and museum. That you had written when you were a, a child, child, 10 yeah. years old or so. Yeah, and they found that in their collection. Well, mine isn't the only letter or piece of history that was returned to its rightful owner. We, you know, when we were there, we found out there is a letter having to do with a little girl's birthday party. And what do you call this, this whole <laughs> facility? We call this the Carter Presidential Library and Museum. This is the Oval Office. This is a replica. Everything on the desk is the original. Um, the buck stop here is one of his favorite signs and sing sayings that he's done. Um, but the windows are literally photographs from during his time period. So that's exactly what he would be looking at if he were looking outside of the Oval Office. The, the two couches were facing each other. President Carter always wanted to see people. So he would sit next to you or you would sit across from him. But he never was at the desk when he was having full conversations. So the library is documentation of his administration. So all of the White House records are here on site. And when you go through the museum, there's actually a section on that work and archives and what that means to the public, their public records. The museum is a fascinating way to learn about the president and how to become president and the issues that a president deals with. I have a similar story to you, but with the, the guy who came after him. <laughs> so, um, I feel very called to this position. Um, when I was younger, about four years old, I wrote the White House and I wrote President Carter and invited myself to his house for my birthday party. And I borrowed money from my sister, who's five years older than me, and I took a dollar and I sent that towards his uh, campaign and whatever he needed to use it for. And he wrote me back and he sent my dollar back and sent me a really cool book on the White House. And I should have known then that I would be, <laughs> I still have the dollar that he gave me back and I still have the White House book and the note. And so I should have known I was gonna be an archivist then. And so it's full circle in many respects. I also saw him teach Sunday school when I was in college and now I'm here. And it's, it's his, this is his second home. He spends a lot of time here. And so it's really amazing to have that personal connection and then a professional connection to the Carters. That, that must be a trip that she wrote him and he wrote back. And it's in the collection. So it's literally when I started here, I told the story and the archivist went back to look at the constituency mail and my letter was in the collection. And I, my drawings and everything was literally in a folder, in a box. And so when you go through the museum, there's a section where you see the stacks and my letter, I can point to the box where my letter is. That's <laughs> it's really cool. Showed up with the letter. Yes. And, I, and I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. it did, I mean, didn't you? It did, yes. It's so long ago and it's there. You forgot, you probably forgot what you wrote. Mm -hmm. And it's there. It's, it's there for the people to see. And I think it also shows you how much a president can care or the people who work with him care enough to read through things to keep them. It's not like they opened the mail and stuck it in a box. That's not what happened. They actually read it and responded to it. And that's amazing. 
he is a consistent moral leader. And I think showing the early beginnings and you go through the museum, you can see some of the challenges he goes through, but he's always stuck to his principles, always. He's always been a peacemaker. He's still a peacemaker. Who do they call when they want to um, talk about the Middle East and Pakistan and just different places in the, in the world? They call President Carter. And he did that from a small town to the Naval Academy. And he understands. And he's a good um, communicator. And he's good at bringing people together in a casual way to deal with really tough issues. And he has that moral compass. He believes in trust and honesty and love and care. And you can see that from his early beginnings through the campaign where he campaigned entirely with his family um, through his post-presidency where he still works with his family. Everybody goes across the waters and, and helps and eradicating diseases and things that you wouldn't, um, some presidents might stop doing, but he's never ever stopped. And I think that's amazing. He's an avid reader. President Carter reads everything that crosses his desk. And um, you'll see all the things that he reads. They're, they're posted here and how he made the decisions. And you can't see that anywhere else. And he's living. Who knows? You might be here one day and he's here. And he might say hello. He might walk through and you go, wait, <laughs> it's not a picture. It's really him because he does that. This is where Sherman's headquarters was during the Battle of Atlanta. There's two ponds on, on property, uh, beehives, Japanese garden. We have a rose garden in the front because Mrs. Carter, Rosalind Carter, loves roses. So we have a rose garden and it keeps it pleasant to be here. It's a pleasant place to research. It's a pleasant place to see and learn about the Office of the Presidency. There are so many stories that you can tell about him and, and Mrs. Carter because of of their heart. I think we all want to do something with our lives to uh, make a contribution. But the thing is, you look at President and Mrs. Carter and all of the things that they have done for so many people, as, as President Clinton said, um, when he gave them the uh, Presidential Medals of Freedom, he said, they have done more good for more people in more places than any other couple on the face of the earth. It's Atlanta. We have two Nobel Peace Prize winners here, Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. Martin Luther King, and President Carter. He also has two Grammy Awards, which is pretty amazing from spoken word. Our favorite thing to tell young people is that he's, his worst grade was in music, yet he has Grammy Awards, so you two can achieve. Um, some of these awards are also for Mrs. Carter for her mental health program that she does and post-presidency that she actually started during the President Carter's presidency. She always had a heart for removing the stigma of mental health. He's one of the first people I've ever met that truly leads from his moral compass and has not wavered. My job is to ensure that we have evidence of history so that people can learn about the past and inform their future. And so when you walk through this museum, you see, you kind of go back in time and we want you to get that feeling so that when you're looking at the documents and you're looking at what he went through and you're looking at the issues, you can understand how challenging they are today. So that's Meredith Evans, and who is now the director of the Carter Presidential Center. How wild is that? I yeah. mean, the little girl writes, she wasn't even five, was she four? She was she four. She could write it four. That's a, <laughs> yeah. smart cookie, I guess. But I mean, she ends up working for his library. Yeah, and she showed me the letter.
or she showed me and it was so her mom helped her because she like colored it with Crayolas or, you know, and, and it, it was such a cool experience. And I could tell for her too, even being able to hold it and show you know, like, this is my letter that's here in the stacks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're the, is she the curator? Of the she's the director. Director of yeah. the library. Yeah. She's got, so her here's PhD all and, these wonderful items. I mean, I was going through on the internet, you know, just looking at all the items that are there yeah, and all the historic pieces and, and uh, awe that you must be of all of it all the time. And then, and here's my letter from yeah. when I was four, right? Yeah. yeah. How cool is that? We also heard from Tony Clark. He is the head of public affairs at the Carter Presidential Center. And, uh, you know, he was there that day when we visited and showed us around. Very nice gentleman. I kept calling him Uncle Tony, even though we're, we're not related <laughs> by any <laughs> Seems like there's a lot of that. Uh, family feel, hometown feel. Oh. I mean, it's the South, right? So yeah. you definitely got that feeling from them. I felt very welcomed in the South and and uh, had a very enjoyable time there. You know, Meredith, uh, you, were, you were talking about um, the things you can see and find there at the library and museum. The reasons to go visit these are there, there are things you can see there that no place else, like his Nobel Prize, you know, that's impressive. Uh, uh, solar panels. Yeah. He they he was the first president to put solar panels on the White House on the White House. Yes, and so he, they yeah. they have them there. They have uh, at the Library Museum. Oh, they like, took them off the White House. Yes, yeah, well, <laughs> yes, but um, yeah. So they have the solar panels that they have some there, and but more importantly, on top of the Presidential Center, it is powered. Also, they have solar panels. That's really interesting. So he was he was. Green before green, yeah, was cool, yeah, or was in, <laughs> yeah. All right, wow, yeah. Well, what's interesting is talking with Meredith Evans at his library museum in Atlanta, Georgia, about his humble beginnings and 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 then going down deep in the south there to, to Plains, where he's from, and getting his getting to see where he's from and how that shaped him and all the things along the way. Right. He was the first one in his family to graduate from high school. Mm -hmm. Right. Went to junior college and then eventually to the Naval Academy and graduated the top 10% of his class. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just he's always worked hard all of his life. Yeah. But I think what's fascinating too about your, your, your trips that you go to these libraries, you're not just reading placards. You're not just looking at items. You're meeting People, you've met quite a few remarkable people along yeah. the way. Yes, that are very close and related to the presidents. Yeah, not just Jimmy, others too. But yeah, sometimes it's just it, they might be a family friend, they might be uh, someone who lives there in the town, someone who just came for whatever reason, um, or they might be a family member. As we have been so lucky to talk with family members of presidential families to to talk about their experience and just. To, let Americans understand what that might be like. And as part of this trip, I wanted to go down because Jimmy Carter, for most of his life, um, he has uh, done kind of a, I don't want to say he's a preacher, but he does a Bible study down there, a Bible school on Sundays at Maranatha Baptist Church. And people come from far and wide to hear him speak. Oh, I imagine. Is it standing room only all the yes, time? Or, yes, yeah? and they turn people away. And especially as he gets older, his, his schedule um, is not as active as it was before, but it's still very active, way more active than most people. <laughs> but uh, yes, they do. They have turned people away. And, and unfortunately, because you, you have to get there early in line, you have to go through a whole security screening because he is a former president. So 
they're a secret, secret service. service. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, but it is a bucket list item for a lot of people. Sure. And, I bet. Yeah. And uh, to hear him speak in person is, is pretty incredible. And then just get another insight into this person. But also while you were down there, you met with family members that talked about his love of baseball. Loves baseball. Yeah. Yeah. We talked to his uh, niece, uh, actually his great niece, Carter Flynn, who talked a little bit about her uncle Jimmy. President Carter is my great uncle. Uh, his brother, Billy Carter, is my grandfather. Uncle Jimmy and I, our relationship, we like to talk a lot about baseball because he, of course, is a huge Braves fan. And so am I. Uh, we have this one thing that we like to call the Carter baseball gene. Uh, to where certain members of the Carter family have that one gene where they know almost everything about baseball and the Atlanta Braves. President Carter, Uncle Jimmy, of course, you know, he's a huge baseball fan. So is my grandfather. Uh, my great-grandmother, Miss Lillian, was also a huge baseball fan. Uh, there are stories that if you ever came over to her house while there was a baseball game on, she wouldn't let you inside because she was so busy watching the game and she would keep her door locked that you weren't allowed to come in and disturb her. He is a very decent, nice guy. And the fact is that instead of when he left the White House, um, spending his time making a fortune, you know, going on the rubber chicken circuit, speaking or whatever, he has devoted his life since 1981, helping others. God has given us, every one of us, not only our lives, but also freedom. And the first part is very good. In almost every case, we're glad to have a chance to live. But the freedom cuts both ways, doesn't it? Because we can either be generous and thankful to God and, and, and help others, or not. President Carter wants to see a full sanctuary every single Sunday. He loves teaching Sunday school. I was on a submarine in the Pacific Ocean during the prison. And, uh, at the end of that war, we didn't have a peace agreement, we just had a ceasefire. And since then, we've done everything we could, the United States has, to, to destroy the economy of North Korea. I think the main thing is how basically decent he is as a member of the human race. Um, he's kind, he's generous, and he is always looking for ways to um, help create a more peaceful world if you feel that you don't live a life with full of joy and happiness and peace and a purpose in life that's worthwhile and exciting and adventurous, it's your fault. This was important to come down here, right? Oh, yeah. Well, it was a bucket list item for me to, uh, to see the Carters and hopefully tomorrow maybe meet him. Because when I was in the Army, I was, well, I was drafted. After getting out of college, and uh, I was stationed at Fort Gordon in Augusta, Georgia, and at the time, Jimmy Carter was the governor. And I was so impressed with him as a governor, and he really helped lead Georgia in uh, integrating that state. We can also ask the same question, for the rest of my life, what kind of person do I want to be? And there again, who's it up to? Yes, you and me.
Among the people we just heard from was Carter Flynn, the great niece of the president, and Simon Burns, the right honorable Sir Simon Burns. He comes every year to the Peanut Festival, a former member of the British Parliament for 30 years. The Carters had gone over to London. He showed them around town. And so uh, he comes, he wants to be a part of that. And of course, Jimmy Carter at his Sunday Bible school at Maranatha Baptist Church, just to be there, just to hear him speak, to hear a former living president was right. incredible. Yeah. And that what struck me, what I took away from that part was when he said, you are in charge of who you are going to be. Yes. And he really, to look at his life, and he started, you know, first to graduate high school from his family, of his family, and then he went on to the Naval Academy, and he had a really a, a good military career going, and they lived all over the the uh, country mm -hmm. between, I think, Hawaii and New York. Mm -hmm. But then his father died and that had him return to Georgia mm -hmm. and almost kind of kickstarted his political career. Yeah. Returning to his roots. <laughs> and he really did work all the way up through, I think the board of education was maybe one of the first, uh, the school board, um, the first offices that yeah. he ran for and then later governor and, uh, Fighting in racial injustice all along the way, from his childhood to his to his adulthood to his post presidency and to today, it was always a common theme in his early life. Yeah, throughout his life, and it continues to be. Yeah, yeah, pretty interesting. Uh, you know, his mother was a nurse; she was a liberal. His father a segregationist. So, so they were op <laughs> opposite ends. Just, yeah, the political venue in in their house and their family. Which makes sense when you think about who former President Jimmy Carter is, is he's the guy that people call when they need a referee, when they need a mediator. <laughs> a mediator. Maybe he always played that role from a very young age, huh? Yeah, yeah. If you are so lucky to get in and see the service and to hear him speak, uh, he will take a picture with you. Oh. Both he and yeah. Mrs. Carter at the very end. It's quick. It's a quick process. You don't have time to blink or think or anything. You hand them your phone. They, they, they have it set up. Everybody in the church. Not well. Uh, it, it, whoever gets in the line for it, you got to stay till the end. You got to stay till the end of the <laughs> service. Because, uh, Pastor Brandon, he's going to have a little bit of a sermon and there's some singing and a little some other things. But if you stay till the end, you get a little reward and you get your picture taken with the Carters. Oh, that's very neat. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you had that. Yes. And it was funny because they... We had a nice little moment because it was at the very end, and my friend Jill says, "Oh, you know, Patrick's been going to presidential libraries, and museums, and they both kind of perked up and said, "Where have you been?'" And I told them a few of the different ones, and she asked what I liked, which ones I liked best, and I said, "Oh, you know, these stuck stuck out for me." Uh, and and he, and he and he said, "Which which ones?" And I told them, and and then he kind of like almost like with a twinkle in his eye, he turned to me and he says, uh, I have a submarine named after me. <laughs> <laughs> like mine's best. Yes. Now, had you been yeah. to his yet at that point or were you on your way there? I had, I had been to you it. Had been yeah. Next, so, so, so it was neat to be able to see it and, and say, Oh, that this thing that just to be able to reference it was fun. right. Yeah. Oh yeah. How neat is that? Yeah. So it was very, very wry. His wit he's sharp as attack. Yeah. It's interesting to see, the state of Georgia, beautiful state there, to see where Jimmy Carter's deeply held beliefs about equality and fairness all came from. Yeah. 
fascinating, interesting man. And, and always interesting to go to these places to see where these presidents are from, their families are from, what made them walk a mile in their shoes. Or in this case, Carter, the barefoot peanut farmer, take your shoes off and feel the earth between your toes. And until the next library that we visit. Yeah. More adventures. More adventures to come. I'm Patrick Clark. And I'm Teresa Pauly. We'll see you next time on Presidential Libraries, Museums, and More, the podcast. the Tribune Audio Network.